Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friday's show. We're back. Molly and I went to the Warriors game last night. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Apple's new emojis. And then we're we're going to have have a long talk. (laughs) What's that? We're just going to have a little fun for a minute before we get into the real. Yes. (laughs) We're going to talk about all these fun new Apple emojis. We're going to talk about our great seats for the Warriors game. That was a blast. Everybody we met. And then we're going to talk about the hiring freezes, rescinding of offers, more layoff bad news. But then we have a super productive discussion about how you can uh, make yourself so valuable that you don't get laid off and how managers can reduce layoffs and how everybody can work together to make your company strong and viable uh, through increased communications, uh, setting great goals and everybody uh, upskilling themselves and being super efficient. So some silver linings here. Absolutely. Think of it as like we're filling up your prepper pantry. And then producer Rachel closes out the episode with OK Boomer because it's Friday. Skill Bank founder and CEO and skills, by the way, very relevant right now. Founder and CEO Mahek Vora. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Embroker. Embroker's startup insurance program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off traditional insurance today at Embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code TWIST. LinkedIn Marketing. To redeem a free $100 off LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash startups. And Thorn. Thorn empowers people to take control of their long-term well-being with a proactive science-based approach to health. Through a variety of at-home tests, Thorn teaches you about what your body needs and provides the right high-quality certified nutritional supplements for you. To get started and take 10% off your first order, head to thorn.com slash you slash twist. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. You made it. Molly and I had a great time and a just horrific ending to the Warriors game. But what a night out, huh, Molly? It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. It was a great night out at the Warriors. If you are not basketball fans and did not watch this game on TV, uh, then you did not see us. But everybody else did because I was getting texts and tweets about it all night long yeah. it was so magical thank you for bringing I, uh, me it was so magical oh, to sit I, that close and be like jay-z is directly on my latitude right now just right <laughs> yeah, across the court Evan from Spiegel me from snapchat sitting right in front of us sitting after right in we, front of us last week we're talking about the 46 percent drop in his stock not gonna <laughs> lie too yeah. i didn't get the vibe that he's like the biggest basketball fan which i always find to be a waste no i he was not he's a little quiet he's not a little engaged. quiet at the evan i don't i think maybe he's a lakers fan uh, but also a very reserved guy. I, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, he didn't clap, he didn't cheer, um, but he's, you know. He, Nothing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was like, Steph, Steph again switch? gave me the nod, which was very nice. Steph gave me the nod. You have to admit, you fangirl that moment. I did fangirl that moment a little I bit. Was like, I was like, he's not making it up at all. I, was, I told you, Steph. <laughs> I know Steph. Uh, I didn't know if he remembered me. I played cards with him a couple of times. We see each other socially once in a blue moon. But, uh, you know, he, I mean, he watches the show, whatever, and uh, he gave me a nod. And so that's, you know, two games in a row, two nods in a row. So that was a big victory for me. Uh, Good day. But my God, what a crazy game. Yeah. Uh, and just like Warrior was up by 14. Back in, I mean, it was a dogfight. Not to keep going fight. back to to- Top Gun, but it was a dogfight yeah. the entire game. Yeah. And then, yes, yeah, so a 25 point swing at the end to choke Ooh. it away in the fourth. Just I mean, brutal. they just, class, congrats to the Celtics. I was DMing with uh, Bill Simmons to drop a name who was there at the game. And uh, I, I was like, oh, hey, let's say hi. Because, you know, we've, we've talked to each other on the Twitter, but he didn't get my message in time. So he DM'd mm-hmm. me after. But mm-hmm. uh, congratulations to 
fellow podcaster Bill Simmons. Is he a uh, Celtics fan? Big time, big time. You know, for decades here, and you know, it's been a bit of a dry spell for them. I guess since the KG, you know, uh, Paul Pierce stays, um, yeah. Rondo. I mean, which is a hell of a team back then. I mean, they're you know, I will give. It's all a legit team. It's a legit team. I'll give all yeah. credit to my brother too, who's been saying for the last two years that the Celtics are the team of the future. <sighs> I, mean, I just hope the they, Warriors are like, you can't have that future right now, though. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's delay that future. <laughs> uh, I'm still going with my original prediction, Warriors and six. But uh, three of the four besties Same. there are paradoxically the one who owns a piece of the team. Tramoth wasn't there, but Sacks in the first row. We were lucky enough to get my friend seat in the second row, uh, who gave them to me at face value, which was very nice, uh, considering that worth three times as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you to my friend. Uh, and um, in the third row, Friedberg, uh, Brad Gerstner uh, was also there. Who else was there that we saw? Jason Chang, uh, Phil Helmuth, poker player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay-Z was there. Alfred Lynn from Sequoia was there. Uh, Brian from Airbnb was there. I mean, it was a who's who. Travis it really was. from Uber was, was there. It is name drop time for sure. It was crazy Freaking name Nancy drop. Pelosi was there. Like it was right. absurd. It was absurd. So when you have these like first two row seats, you get a little wristband for people who haven't had the opportunity. And I, I don't know if this happens in every city. I think it's like a New York Lakers thing, but they have like a VIP area. So they just give you sushi for free with your thousands of dollar ticket uh so we got to you know hang out back there and i met chris mullen uh we both went to the same high school and i was kind of starstruck i was like you know you're the most famous guy to go to our high school but i'm the second famous and i i literally i have never asked a celebrity for a selfie and i asked him for a selfie and i look like a goofy fool uh, i was no. so happy to well i mean when i was a kid chris mullen was a hero yeah he went to my high school and then his brother terrence uh was in my grade so i knew terrence uh and then um he uh it's a true story we we had breezy point which was like a firefighter cop irish community where we would summer uh, out in the rockaways in queens in new york we were in brooklyn it's like the tip of this like little point you can look it up uh, with a bunch of bungalows basically houses that are weatherized they just you know lived there in the summer uh, at least back in the day you did and he would uh sometimes show up and just play basketball with a bunch of kids he would just shoot hoops with us at the basketball court uh by the dugout in breezy point so shout out chris mellon great to meet you uh and you know, it's overall a great time um, and uh, good for business. Met a bunch of new people. So, yeah, it's always 100%. nice. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. lovely. I know it seems like we're just flexing, but we well, were also we were, many networking. Flex, but we were networking. We were networking. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's, I, it's it's kind of like unjustifiable. But then I also think on a marketing basis, like those courtside seats were going for thirty forty. The second row, obviously, a lot less. Um, but those courtside seats. I think on a branding basis, if you see Jay-Z there, now Jay-Z doesn't need more branding. Right. But yeah. I wonder yeah. when Jay-Z's there, does more Jay-Z tickets sell, you know, for the next concert? Or if he had I mean, a record out, does he get more listens? Because you know how many people watch these finals games? Like maybe not for a standard Knicks game, but uh um, a finals game, absolutely. I mean, but just a playoff in terms for finals of like, game that's nationally televised, I think yeah. it's probably there, there might be some amount of marketing that, you know, Jay-Z value gets out of it, right? I, I, I think, think so. Maybe. Absolutely. I think like, maybe that's why celebrities go. It's kind of like. it's a, Oh, absolutely. It's you got to be seen at the thing. And yeah. then it raises your own awareness in people's minds. 100%. Yeah, I mean, does, I yeah. can attest to the fact that on a way less famous level, <laughs> yes. that happened. As podcasters. Like, yeah. That happened. Yeah. 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 So and it's, it's good. And then also, you know, if we're ever looking to recruit another person to be on this podcast. Now it's like, well, I don't think marketplaces 
taking you to the <laughs> finals games, you know, let alone good seats. You're missing poor Kai game. respond to the <laughs> poor Kai. No, Kai did. He responded oh, no. to Kai responded. Like, sorry. I, well, the photo that you tweeted of us looking all hella bummed as the Warriors yeah. were like pissing it away in the fourth. Yeah. And he, Kai responded and was like, what? What is happening? <laughs> oh, hey, shout out Kai Rizal. Hey, Kai. Hey, hey Kai. buddy. Hey, well, how are you doing? Come visit. <laughs> yeah. You ever think of mm-hmm. venture capital? <laughs> <laughs> Kai Rizal would be a great venture capitalist. Chop it up. Chop it up. Hey, um, let's have lunch. So I, I, I feel like emojis are such a big part of our culture. Yep. And I, I feel like I've had a strong emoji game. I've always been good with the fist bump. I've been good with the hands up holla. I've, I've embraced it and I, I've always felt, you know, a little awkward as an older man using emojis, but I kind of just went for it at a certain yeah. point. And I, you know, for me, the hilarious face emoji is my standard, right? Because on Twitter and other places, people don't know I'm making a joke. And so to preemptively, uh, you know, correct these mm-hmm. people who are like, that's not funny. The literal uh, net, or I like to call them the literal net. The literal net mm-hmm. for the for the literati out there the literati. who don't read books but who are just <laughs> phenomenally literal. <laughs> the literati, <laughs> there's a mouthful. <laughs> I put my hilarious face, like the crying, laughing one, where the yes, tears are coming laughing, out. Yeah. This is I put it there, and it's, it's kind of like a sticky thing. Boomers, but I don't care. I love it. I think it's like laughing at your own joke, which I think mm-hmm. is a funny premise to begin with. Because yeah. I think it's funny yeah. when you laugh no, at your I own. mean, I always laugh at my own jokes. Like, thank God I'm here to laugh at my jokes because no one else I, is going to. It's like hilariously. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious to laugh at your own jokes because you're not supposed to. I, anyway. Yeah. But I now have a new favorite emoji that came yes. out. Yes. Yes. Holy f- I yes, you always you're gave welcome, people. welcome, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, whoever <laughs> just, uh, you do with the discovery. Oh, there is the picture of us. Oh, yeah. There it is. Uh, in yeah, the second round of the Warriors game straight across <laughs> from us and whatever. So anyway. Uh, yeah. There I am putting the crying emoji. Um, Got anyway, it. the okay I symbol. It. I see what you're doing there, Justin. Yeah. David Sachs, Sacramento Freeburg, third row, Chamath, MIA. Yes, exactly. There is a literal version of me doing, putting yeah. three of them, in fact. I'm going to quickly explain one crucial type of insurance that all startups need. It's DNO insurance. You've heard of this before. You might not know what it is. This is directors and officers insurance, and it helps if somebody does something dumb and you get sued. I don't know how to tell you more plainly, or maybe you didn't do something dumb and some dumb person decides to sue you for a dumb reason. I have seen this. I've seen all flavors of it. You need to have DNO. It's just part of growing up as a startup. And if you don't have business insurance, but well, you're going to have failed one of the first steps of being a founder. The best place to look for it is in broker and brokers technology is going to save you time. It's going to save you money. Prices are up to 20% lower and you get better coverage than the incumbents. You can go from sign up to quote and purchase in just 10 minutes. When you work with in broker, instead of all those slow incumbents, you're not dealing with those giant lumbering large companies. Sign up takes days, not weeks. And the process is transparent. There is no opaque pricing. So to instantly buy custom-built insurance for startups, go to inbroker.com slash twist. While you're there, you're going to get an extra 10% off by using the code twist. Easy to remember this week in startups, T-W-I-S-T. Go to inbroker, E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist and use that offer code T-W-I-S-T. Um, so I used to do the okay. And I used to ask people like, if I ask you something, you know, when you're a boss, you see me bossing uh, and being a boss. I'm just like, can you please just say to me, got it, or Roger, or okay, or yes, Captain. Any, whatever mm-hmm. recognition you want to give to me, 
that you have heard the words coming out of my mouth and give me an okay, please, by all means, got it, Roger, whatever, you, you know, whatever works yep. for you yep. as the other person on the side of that conversation to just let me know. So a lot of people give me the thumbs up, a lot of people give me the okay, but now I can't believe it, but <laughs> salute is now in the emoji library <laughs> and it is a glorious day for me. <laughs> if I say game something, changer. it's a game changer. Just give me the goddamn salute, man. Yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. On it. You know? There it is. There, there she is. The is. little salute. salute. What and a there's delight. A, there's a lot. I, and I don't like the pointing one. It's so aggressive. It's not for me. The pointing emoji is a hard no. I don't mm -hmm. like it. Mm -hmm. That whoever did that is got years of therapy ahead of them. It's, it's aggressive. It really super is. Super aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, I do oh, like the, the heart. I like, heart. I like the, the Taylor Swift heart. heart. It's very nice. I don't want to comment on the pregnant man slash man doing too people. much food. Pregnant people. I'm sorry, people. That's what we say. Yeah. Is that what we say now? I no, love I the little, I love the peeking eyes, like peeking out from the, good. behind the scared eyes. So we know, by the way, for those I of you who. It's like, I'm moving on from the pregnant I'm man. I'm moving on from the pregnant people. <laughs> I just want to know on. something. Because my yep. friend just said I ate a huge lunch and he used the pregnant man emoji. And I was like, dude, you're going <laughs> to totally get canceled for that. No, He's that's like, why that's you text Men can't get pregnant. And so I'm like, text oh my it God, and said, no. oh God, no, 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 no. See, I tried. I just, dear audience, <laughs> I would like you to know that I, I made tried. a valiant effort to try to move along. But is just it a pregnant man here. or a man who's eating too much food? Can I mean, I'm just saying, you is know what? That's hilarious. Put it in your text. Use the man who's eating too much food. Like use the pregnant person emoji <laughs> to be like, I ate too much food. I don't care. That's what okay. texts are for, not yes. tweets. Not tweets. Okay. Fair but enough. I did try. But I did but try. Here, I'm going to be using you know, the troll emoji constantly, such as right now. Right now. You would have used the <laughs> troll emoji. So who knew it? But Molly now has a favorite one because she gets brigaded. So here you go. Look at this. A troll emoji. A troll emoji. Fantastic. There's a troll emoji. So we know. What, we what know I wanted to do with you right March, now, Molly, way, is play a know. little game yeah. for what will this eventually mean? What will <laughs> this eventually mean? <laughs> play some backwards. Da, 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 da. Welcome to what will this emoji eventually da, 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 mean? La, da, da, da. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I the troll one. We all know what that's going to be used that's for. Amazing. You're trolling. Yeah, super amazing. super cool. But um, I saw there was a melted face. Yeah. Producer Rachel was like, "Hey, check yeah. this out, melted face." And I was like, "All right." So that's when you get twisted. I mean, that's when the zannies hit or whatever your that's bag is. You had your. That's when you're high AF. You're tilted. You're tilted. I mean, literally, I think so the too. emoji's tilted and melting. It, right. Rachel mm. was so nice. She's like, this is like when everything, something's really embarrassing or I can't believe that happened. I'm like, nah. No. Nah. I you're think wasted. that's when the Molly hits or something. It's a melted face. It's a melted uh, Which face. was hilarious. Um, we do want to acknowledge right now, by the way, that yes, these emoji were all released in technically in March with yeah, the release like two of months old. We're just catching iOS 15.4. Okay, boomer. But it's yeah. not just that we're just catching up. It's that because I have this theory, like today I was like, what if I float this theory that every time there's a new emoji drop, culture yeah. changes a little bit. Like culture I agree. is altering I agree. response. So now these salute have been out for a couple months. Salute is starting to like proliferate. So I'm going to make salute proliferate. Salute is going to be the new slang for okay, sure, down, whatever. Yeah. So if each you, of these will be. Like me, have seen... Mm -hmm old top gun 
1,000 times and new Top Gun mm-hmm. two times, you will know that what they do in the Google be and have a mild military fetish, you'll know that what they do in the cockpit is they go like a thumbs up and then a salute. Uh, and so just look out for me to start using the thumbs, the thumbs up, up and the salute. salute. Oh, you're going to double emoji Let's it? go. Let's take So off. I noticed one here, which is the, um, the beans. They have beans. Yeah. And these are your classic beans. burrito beans and not the, would those be Pinto there or? See? Oh, there it is. Yeah. He the goes, uh, he gives a go. thumbs up. It's like a back. It's over the shoulder thumbs up. Maybe he's telling you to go backwards or he's giving you the thumbs up. I don't know well, what kind of starts the thumbs up back here, goes forward and then salute. And it means let's launch this jet. Wow. Let's launch that, this that, rocket. That's pretty great. Love it. That reminds me of, um, there's a video of like one of these action stars mm-hmm. and he calls it loading his guns in a fight scene. So he, He's got his fist up here, but he goes, and that's loading the guns. So he, uh, he's somewhat cocking the guns, right? So there's yeah. some guy, I don't know if it's Liam Nielsen or the guy who plays Thor or something. It might be, it might I be, oh, totally you know, it might be the guy who plays being. Superman, whatever that, ha- Harry Cavalli. Oh, yeah. Henry Cavalli. Henry Cavalli. Henry Cavalli. Uh, all right. So in other emoji news, yes, here's one for David Sachs. There you were with the beans. Uh huh. They're beans for your burrito. They look, like pinto beans i guess or, yeah i mean kidney beans they look like they look like but they're a also kind of red pills so yeah, i kind of feel pills. like they could be red that could be a new a new version of red pills Good and call. right next to it pour one out for the homies this Aww. is uh pouring one out for your folks who no longer are with us um why is there a chest x-ray emoji again i mean is that like i'm going to get a x-ray you're seeing inside my heart uh i'm gonna start using using that for hella feelings really or maybe i'm being transparent or being transparent transparent. maybe Maybe. Uh um i don't know what's to the left of that that's a telescope i guess uh it's a crutch and then to the left of that is an empty battery like a low battery Empty battery is like that i know what that's gonna mean for all kinds of stuff yeah i know what that's gonna mean that's gonna mean i'm done i'm going home that's the irish goodbye yep so like it's 4 a.m and you just tell your friend, you send the empty battery. It's like, we're out. Mm-hmm. Audi 5000. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, disco ball. Sure. That's, yeah, sure. It's overdue, really. Lotus flower? Why, why do we have a lotus now? Is that a lotus or a, it looks, I mean. What is I, that? Granted, oh, it's I'm a lily. In, that's a lily. Oh, it looks like a succulent to me. I'm like, what it's an it, It's a lily pad right underneath it. It looks like that. I wonder sure. what the word is you type for it. A lily it's pad. A lily so pad. we got a little more nature. We got some coral. And then you have empty nest. So you're an empty nester. That's kind of cool for parents or empty nesters. Oh, Molly, don't cry. <laughs> don't do it, Molly. But you'll be using that in three years. Oh, I didn't do that. I'm sorry. Monster. It's going to be your number one emoji in three years. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> oh, but you're going to have to do that three times, oh, my friend. Wow, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yep. What about the bubbles? I like the bubbles. I don't know. I don't know what those are. What that cute, will though. wind up being. Party. Um, yeah. We got, an empty, we got an empty mason jar. Lovely. An empty mason jar. Like, a what slide. is that for? We're going to go catch fireflies? Like, what will that be used for in pop culture? The slide. Um, canning. Toby asked a good question in the notice. Uh, what is the hand Illuminati emoji? There's like an open kind it's of a diamonds. Hand. So that's like, you know, for Rockefeller Records, they would do a diamond. Throw, throw your diamonds up, like kind of situation. Wait, the one with but, the Illuminati eye in the middle? Wait, where's next that? To the oh, di- that? Next oh, to the no, disco no, that's ball. Different. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the um, hands up. That was a I heart, think that's like just, Chelsea. yeah. I think that's literally, that literally Illuminati. With, like, you know how people are always like Illuminati what? And it's sort of a joke about like, oh, it's a conspiracy uh, theory. I guess that must be that. Yoga Surge people Surge Dog use it. says yoga people use it. Yeah, there you go. 
Wait, a blo- oh, and it's the, a thing. It's like a real. Oh, geez, it's a really important. Sim- Wait, to represent the hamsa, a blue hamsa. hand with an eye in the center of the palm, an okay. ancient symbol important to multiple religions, including Islam, mm-hmm. Judaism, Buddhism, Buddhism, and Christianity. Right. I've okay. never seen that before. I've never but seen I love that in Christianity, it. and I am a devout Christian, or I was for three years, uh, from the age of seven to ten. Um, okay, sure. It's the hamasa. hamsa. Sorry, we didn't know hamsa. hamsa. Sorry, we didn't cool. know. Cool. See, look, emojis. Hey, we learned something. Emojis educating more. people. So what is the, I know the, the, the big red lips for like a kissing kind of thing. Uh, people use that. But is this one biting your lip? Yeah. Is that just, it's biting no, your it's lip? it's biting your lip. It's like super sexy. So somebody said something and you're biting your lip. Mm-hmm. But it's a female biting their lip. Like it's like It's lipstick. like a hot one. It's like it's, it's a hot, hot biting your hot, lip. It's a hot oh, okay. So that's different. Biting your lip like I don't want to say something. Right. No, this is not that kind. This is like, ooh, sexy. Mm-hmm. Or like ooh, ooh la la. Yeah. It's like ooh la la. Yeah, just belabor it. Just make it as awkward as you possibly can. Just keep going. Sorry, back. I mean, I'm, going. it's sort of like <laughs> yum yum. He's like, oh, okay. So it's like, I mean, like you could use I'll it for take yum a slice yum. Of that. <laughs> you could use it for yum yum. It could be yum yum. It could be yum yum. I stopped using yum yum. It is do uh, a CNBC hit. Thank you, producer Justin. Let's just go all the way here. It's eggplants for females. It's the eggplants. That's it. Yes. Got it. Got it. Like, hmm, aroused in some mm-hmm. way. Got it. I understand. Uh, all right. Well, there you have it, folks. Here's the new emojis. We've just discovered the new emojis. But what yeah. we really want to know is how is this going to uh, change the, the culture? Because it culture already shows. is. Somebody really tell us what to do with the. If you have a clever idea for the mason jar, the bubbles. The lotus flower. Lotus flower. Yeah. I think those ones I, we don't understand. Um, all your eggs in one basket. Because you could say, don't put. Uh, and then put the eggs in the basket. Don't put all your, yeah. you kind of be more efficient. I don't want to talk about the basket. I don't want to talk about the basket. Well, you could combine these things. You could combine these things. You could put the basket, yes. and then next thing you could put a flying bird, Molly, as the bird flies away. Three times, my friend. It's going to hurt so much more. <laughs> three birds. I'm a little nest and three birds three flying away. Birds. <laughs> three little birds. <laughs> Yeah, are yeah. off no, to going. college. <laughs> Jay Cal's broke now. <laughs> college in ten years is going to be six million dollars a year. Jay Cal needs to keep working at sixty-five. It's going to be free by then. It's going to be free by then. I've been God. telling myself that for a decade. I'm like, maybe college will be free by the time he gets to be eighteen. I'm, I'm doing the. This is. Uh, we'll end on this. I'm, uh, I'm doing the power move of my daughters. I'm going to say, here's what you have for college. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just pick a number. Uh, if I had one million dollars, no, I mean in today's I know, dollars, I think yeah, if you yeah. 150k would do it, maybe 250 something like that for like a private school, mm-hmm. public school. Obviously, you could get away with 50 probably to 100. I think today, right? Is that about right? Like cities, so. city school, city is like five. Not for the state whole is like 20. Yeah, yeah. do it per year, five yeah. 20 per year. So it'd be you probably get away with 50 with room and board for city college 100 something like that. So anyway, putting it all together. I'm going to give them the move, which is like, here's $250,000. Spend it on school and your first business. Or or you can pick the percentage. It could be 100% mm-hmm. school, 100% first business, 50-50. Like, then the child has to be going, wait a second, if I go to state school for 100, mm-hmm. I graduate with 150K to do my first business? Or they could say, you know what? I want to go be an angel investor like you, Pop. Can I invest? 10k and 10 companies and then put the 150k into the the one that does best or two that do best put 75k in each of the two of the winners i'd be like oh my god my heart would just explode with joy um so that's what I, that's what i'm thinking is the right move for kids and then explaining to them what a ripoff college k 
can be, not mm-hmm. always is, but how overpriced it is. And you need to make your, because there's no decision making here, right? Yeah. Unless you're taking loans and then really loans are, it's the first loan you're ever going to take in your life. So. Um, What's that book? There's a great book uh, by like that New York Times economics guy called How Not to Raise Spoiled Children. Oh yeah, I heard about it's this. It's all like money lessons. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Lieber, Ron Lieber. And he, I got from his book, an idea that's similar, but for like, when you go on vacation, we started this Uh, really, really early with my son. When I, when we, I go on vacation, he gets a budget up front. Like you have $150 for this 10 day. It's usually like for a while, it was like 10 day, $10 a day. Yeah. Whatever. You have this budget. That's it. Yeah. None of that. Like we never have that fight in a store. About right. I want this thing and I'm having a meltdown crying about it or whatever. The opposite of spoiled. There it is. Oh, yeah, wow. Raising I kids need to read that. It. Looks like a good book. And they, yeah. you have the jars. You give them a give jar, a save jar, and a spend jar. Like oh, for like charity, yeah. for saving, and for allowance. It's actually, it's a wonderful book. And it's super, and it's like, I love mm. the idea of doing a version of the vacation budget, but for college and life. Like that is. Yeah. First perfect. five years as an adult. Hey, Tom Eschbacher is here with us again. He's a senior sales manager at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. And we're talking about their amazing report today in startup marketing, as well as how to use LinkedIn to grow your startup. As an angel investor, I like to see revenue early and often from startups. How can LinkedIn help with that? Yeah, the the short answer is LinkedIn lead gen forms. 89% of our startup advertisers utilize them. and, And I'll tell you why. Think about all the effort that goes into creating interest within a prospect. You have to nail the value proposition, create compelling content, find them and then message them with enough frequency so that they engage. You do all that, you get them to your sign up page and you know how many of them are going to convert? Just 2%. That's so much value that marketers are failing to capture. And it's a big reason why LinkedIn marketing and specifically LinkedIn lead gen forms are so popular with startups. So people know a lead gen form lives on LinkedIn they click one time and boom, the email is sent to the company. By using LinkedIn lead gen forms, you're ensuring they're coming from an audience that you care about. And then we're pulling the information right from the member's profile. So it's great. Your SDRs are going to be thrilled with that info. They're going to want to follow up. That's the improved lead quality. And as you say, Jason, it all takes place in just two taps in the LinkedIn newsfeed. And so if you would like to get this incredible report, you can go to linkedin.com slash this week in startups. And not only can you get the report for free, you're also going to get $100 off your first marketing campaign from Tom at LinkedIn. Way to go, Tom. Let's move on to uh, the I, I don't want to get repetitive here because we're going to have layoffs announcements every day. Some of them will be more important than others. But basically, you can assume every company is going to either put a hiring freeze on at this point, or do a modest layoff. That'll be the majority of companies will do those one of some version of that. And then there'll be outliers, people who are hiring because things are going bonkers for them. And maybe mm-hmm. they're understaffed or they, they didn't overstaff during this period. And then there'll be some people uh, who do, you know, let's call it greater than 15% cuts, right. a noticeable cut. So, but I wanted to talk about um, after we wrap up, you know, all of these layoffs announcement today, which will take a minute or two to tell you what's going on. You should know because it probably impacts your business if you're listening to this week in startups. But I don't want to talk about how to avoid layoffs. Uh, and then how to make yourself as an employee, uh, the one who doesn't get laid off. Mm-hmm. And I don't have ideas yet for what to do if you are laid off. I mean, I do have some actually. Um, but I want to focus on those two things because I did talk a little bit about being more efficient the other day, but I wanted to continue that. So maybe we just run through these, the breaking news here. 
We should. And then I want to add that I think that there's a little bit of a twist that appears to be spreading in the tech market downturn. There are layoffs, hiring freezes, and I'm sorry to say, it seems an increasing number of rescinding of offers. Oh, right. That is the next shoe to drop, yeah. which, which is, is the next. That, and it's seems intense. To, it's that's intense. And I think yes. like, so when we talk about avoiding layoffs, we should also talk about rescinding offers because I do think yes. that's probably... Let's get to the news first, and then we can yeah, discuss Coinbase these various is offers, so, the so let's go is, right to them. Yeah. Right. The latest, uh, the, you know, of course, there was breaking news today, most recently about Tesla pausing hirings and uh, potentially uh, Elon Musk saying headcount would need to be reduced by 10%. Yeah. Um, Coinbase yesterday said that it was extending its hiring freeze and rescinding some offers, uh, citing okay. crypto market volatility that may test the company. The insurance marketplace policy genius laid off about 25%. Of its staff, about 170 employees. Uh, Toby, one of our noties in the chat, said Loom rescinded an offer to mm. uh, one of his friends. Yeah. And I mean... So it's happening. It's happening. And I, what I really want to ask you about is this rescinding. Because I think like yeah. on, on the most... In the most mercenary interpretation, rescinding an offer is cheaper than a layoff. You don't have to pay severance. Mm. Right? That's right. <clears throat> it's more but efficient also talk about a reputational hit because then these people are out yeah. on twitter i mean there was a there was a tweet today from someone who turned down like multiple phd offers wow. um chose to go work at coinbase instead of pursuing a phd uh, said no to all these opportunities that were really competitive and look yeah there is nothing this person did wrong nothing no, right? Like I not, always yeah. sit here and I'm like, you never get off the bus without a transfer. You make sure you have signed paperwork before you make a move. Yeah. And people are getting signed paperwork in yeah. some cases with visas attached to them. Okay. Which is what this person was yeah. tweeting about today hmm. and are having their offers rescinded. I, and you know, I, I feel have, like long-term yeah. that is not a good move. It's a tough one. Um, and so I, I think well, let's talk about Coinbase for a second, and then we'll get mm -hmm. into rescinding. The thing I thought was interesting in this memo is market volatility that may test the company, may test the company, <laughs> is a very strong statement in my mind, right. um, if, if that is accurately, if I'm accurate in what I just said. So we'll double check that, but um, I'm reading it now in our notes here. It says the crypto, they cited that the crypto market volatility may test the company. Now, that mm -hmm. means it came from a news story um yeah no yeah that's in the letter word it forward. is in the letter okay word for may word test may test the company, the company. now may test the company means like i don't know that means existential like we're going away but it means like prepare for war like this is going to be very hardcore mm -hmm. and that directionally um i think is super candid uh, i mean uh, it's not directionally it is super candid straight up and so i applaud uh the team over there for being super candid about that what they're saying is like this may not be the last of the layoffs and the crypto market could be coming apart. I my I suspect people are not trading crypto in a moment like this. I think people are hodling, but I, I, I can't imagine too. there are new entrants into the crypto market right now, right? Mm -hmm. I would not. I would not think so. And I think that what this shows, and we talked about this a little bit in our group chat, is Coinbase makes its money on transactions. Right. And so if everybody's just hunkered down, even if they're <laughs> not selling, Right. That's probably still bad, right? And so right. if they're just hunkered down and holding on for the long term and for HODL dear life, doesn't help. HODL doesn't help. Exactly. Uh they don't make money on HODL, which maybe they knew maybe they have to move to it's five bucks a month to have an account there. Right. 
right? If you have over just like do a minimum charge, one? which is, I don't know. Somebody fact check me there. I think they have a paid tier, right? They do have a paid tier, but, but you I wonder if but like I know all my, of like, this like free accounting now, free. right? You know, maybe people have to say, listen, it's, it's like a bank. You know, you have to pay. A, you have to have a minimum deposit size to have a free account, yeah. and there'll be fees for other things. So I think because they were venture backed and had all that venture money, were not public. They probably didn't have to have a lot of fees, um, mm -hmm. and so they didn't want to put any friction there. But maybe they have to start adding some fees here. Maybe there has to be memberships, um, like you know Peloton has, and and they're raising their prices here. So perhaps that will happen. Now on the rescinding of the offers, man, that is a super bummer. Um, would it be worse if the person came for three to six months and then lost their job? And arguably, they might get a couple of weeks severance. So which is worse, you know, not starting or starting knowing that like everybody's leaving at the same time and you got people showing up for orientation while the other people are being leaving it this is just chaos, chaos man you know i mean it is chaos and it, i just i think there has to be a better way to handle it. i like i think the idea of making a written offer to someone on which they you know it's like it's one thing to say have somebody in an interview process it, mm. i just feel like at some point someone's gonna get sued there are gonna be these stories yeah. that come out that totally tug at your heartstrings even if it's one out of a thousand yeah. stories and it's just a it's you know like that's something I would be thinking very, very, very carefully about. And like yeah. you've been saying, there are other ways for, you know, layoffs become contagious. It becomes almost, I think in some, I think for some CEOs, it becomes like a lazy way out, like an easy way to cut a quote unquote, easy way yeah. to cut costs and make it look to your boss. Like you're really like you're cutting costs when the fact is you could probably stop spending money on a lot of things. Yeah. And so that's what you'll see is that the next thing will be the entitlements. So I think we're going to see the free lunch, literal free lunch in Silicon Valley concept, yeah. the massages, you know, just a lot of stuff is going to be a lot of belt tightening all around. Now, this is overall good for the economy. So it sucks for the people who are involved in it, but overall very good for the economy because we have too many companies that maybe aren't providing enough value and mm -hmm. they're going to go away. Then the talented people from those companies will go to the stronger companies, the stronger will get stronger, which means they're more profitable, uh, which is good for the economy, the weaker companies will go away because the work they're doing producing products and services, those products and services, maybe because they're not growing, are actually not good products and services. So this is what's supposed to happen in a healthy economy. But the last five years have not been healthy, because right. a lot of companies that should have died were propped up because there was too much money in the system. And yep. maybe a lot of people who we're not becoming better at their job. We're not as focused on their career. We're not focused on productivity. Um, maybe they'll get back into the workforce and focus on career and productivity and providing value to, you know, uh, the economy. Now, we can argue that like, you know, people have personal choice, whatever. But the truth is an economy uh, is driven by employment and employment is driven by products and services that are produced and bought and sold. If you don't have great products and services, and you don't have people who are good at their jobs and getting better at them, and who are focused on their careers, you're just not going to have monetary velocity, which means you don't have a growing economy. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't I have a growing economy, standard of living goes down. So this is how I it works. I think you're going to see you're and and I would be wary of, like, we're going to be talking about this a lot, because in the tech industry, in particular, is where this is going to hit the hardest, right? So when you had the dot com crash mm -hmm. in 2001, late 90s, 2001, 2002, that it it really impacted the broader market because we were talking about the crash of a lot of public companies. Yeah. There's a sense that this time a tech downturn isn't going to have this sort of widespread impact. No. I think it is, though, because mm. it's having this psychological impact. People are oh, like, okay, oh, the economy is terrible because the tech sector is crashing. And 
there's inflation and there's all of these things. But if you look at sort of market fundamentals separate from the tech industry, yeah, we have now apparently record low unemployment. Yep. The U- U.S. economy has regained in a year and a half 98% of the jobs that were lost during the pandemic. Yep. That's remarkable. Yep. Mission accomplished. Yep. Mission accomplished in some ways. Uh, the Fed is maybe now out ahead of itself in terms mm-hmm. of the economic recovery because things do seem to be somewhat improving. Supply chains may ease and, you know, OPEC is going to actually make more, release more barrels of oil, thereby easing this somewhat artificial energy crunch. Yeah. But you are seeing, conversely, the things that make you feel like everything is falling apart is that there's a huge crash in the tech economy. And that's because, once again, there was a huge bubble. Mm. Right. So like the further you expand, the harder you're going to contract. And that's going to give this like outsized sense of disaster when really it is somewhat of a localized disaster. I know that dealing with your personal health and your wellness can be daunting, especially right now. And by right now, I mean something like the last three years. Well, that is why Thorne created a care system that's personalized preventative and holistic while still being backed by science. Being any kind of a high performer is incredibly difficult. Even if you're just sitting all day long at a desk, remember sitting is the new smoking. Okay, this is all where Thorn can help. Thorn offers at-home tests that identify where you need the most care. They offer things like a gut test that analyzes your gut microbiome, a stress test that measures your stress hormone fluctuations. These tests help eliminate the guesswork for good health by providing personalized steps for how to eat, how to exercise, and even what supplements you should take. And then Thorne has a range of multivitamins and supplements that you can subscribe to. Because again, this is personalized health and wellness. You take a quiz, you get the answer that is built for you. Get started, take 10% off your first order by heading to thorn.com slash you, the letter U, slash twist. That's thorn.com slash you slash twist to save 10%. Yeah, it's like the trimming of the fat is going on here. People are just getting healthier. So it can have the optics of looking like massive chaos, like the rescinding of the office, the offers, the number of layoffs. And it it is chaos in a way. it's localized to our sector. Yeah. And I don't think it should be pursued. It shouldn't be construed as like a broader economic disaster. It's not a broader economic disaster. And when you look at the, the companies themselves, they will be healthier because of it. So if you were eating too many calories every day and gaining weight and you weren't working out and you just weren't being thoughtful, which mm-hmm. let's face it, when there's tons of money, tons of calories around, people just go YOLO. Totally. And it's been five years of maybe people overspending and people maybe not focused on their core business, building other businesses. Maybe people not working as hard as they should be. Maybe, you know, too many people in a department when there's 10 people in a department and really five of them are doing 90% of the work. And anybody who's worked at a big company or a mid-sized company knows, like, you look at the 10 people in the department and you're like, those five people are doing 90%. And then these other five are either <laughs> a drag on the everybody else, they're negative productivity, or they're doing 2% each on average. It's just, so yeah. when you make these cuts, um, you're obviously going to cut the weakest people, the people who are not the best contributors, uh, or people who are overpaid, which is another thing. You could, ha- you could have somebody who's a great contributor, Molly, but they're getting paid three times as much as an equal contributor. So totally. this is where I think we can pivot into um this discussion of how to avoid being laid off yep don't be the sitter well be the hitter <laughs> yeah i think uh, oh i think what you have to look at is take a self-assessment what value are you providing for your company um what projects are you responsible for not that you work on 
that you're responsible for. And what I encourage you to do is take the things that you're busy with, email and Slack, you know, meetings, and then maybe unless you're in sales and like you're closing deals, those meetings are obviously an input, but the things that are not inputs into an output. Mm -hmm. So an mm -hmm. input, if you're a salesperson is finding leads, and then taking meetings, the output would be closing deals, right, mm -hmm. which is money in the register. If you were a producer on a podcast, the input might be finding guests that come on the podcast that increase the ratings, the output, right, you get a better you find a better guest has an output. Now, in both of those cases, being on email and checking Slack might be necessary to get those functions done. But you have to have a candid look and say, how many hours did I put into the sales calls and the lead gen as a salesperson or in this hypothetical producer position? How many great guests did I get this week? And then what did they do to the ratings? Uh, and these are the kind of things where you actually look at your inputs and outputs. That's how you're going to be judged by your boss. So people have in their mind, Molly, I'm busy. I work 10 hours. Okay. That's valid. I know that's how you feel. But at a time like this, people are looking at more of um, an input output here. Yep. And if you were going to look at a 12 uh, person sales team, you would say, here's the 12 salespeople, we need to get rid of three, give me a list of their sales. And then give me a list of their renewals. And they will literally because I've been involved in these discussions as a board member and as a CEO, and as an investor and a, a confidant of people, they'll go through it. And they'll be like, hey, mm. this person is like the number nine person on the list. And we're getting rid of, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12. So oh, we're going to get rid of three. We got 12 people on this hypothetical sales list. The last three, last four, it turns out number 11 is just an incredible culture fit. Everybody loves them. They help each other out. But 9, 10, 11, 12, they all are underperforming 20 to 25%. But you know what? Number 11 is really positive and hardworking and asks for help. And number nine is, uh, you know, doing better. They've, you know, they sell 5% more. They're a real pain in the ass. And they're negative And they're a drag. So it's not a popularity contest, to be clear. People are not going to make these choices on popularity. In almost all cases, there could be some edge cases where it's like, hey, that's my guy. You know, I went to college with him and there, there could be a little insider trading or favoritism that goes on. But by and large, it's going to be input output. Who's got the best output? We're keeping them. But on the margin, now you're down to that 25% that are going. If all things being equal, they're going to pick the person who is the most enthusiastic, who asks for help, and they see professional development happening with that person. Mm -hmm. So you have to then ask yourself, What's my output for this company? What am I actually accomplishing? So this company is Google search. Am I, how am I increasing the number of searches? How am I increasing the search quality? How am I increasing the number of ads? You know, whatever it is, how am I making the servers faster, the output? And then how is my output in relation to everybody else? And so there's a there's a trick here, which is increase your output. <laughs> or yeah. you're not very good at your job. Uh, be realistic and say, hey, to your boss, preemptively, I see my output is in the bottom 25%. I want to be in the top 25%. Can I get five minutes with you? You know, today, tomorrow, this morning, anytime to just tell me one or two things you can just do by email that would make me get into the top 25. Is it 
Do I need to find more leads? Do I need to work harder? Do I need to come in on Saturdays? Just give me whatever piece of advice you, you can give me because I actually realize that I'm new here. I, you know, other people have had a time to build up their book of business. What do I got to do? Just tell me. But what people do at a time like this, they think it's time to put their head down. Right. Classic mistake. Right. If your head's down, you have no relationship with the person making this decision for layoffs. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, they're going to make it easier to cut you as opposed to the person that says, listen, I don't want to get cut. I want to be on the team. What do I yep. got to do? If I got to run laps, I got to do a thousand free throws. I know my free throw shooting isn't the best on the team. I'll be in the gym every day throwing at that. I do a thousand free throws. If that's what you tell me I need to do to be on this team. So, so be that person, uh, be that yeah. person who is realistic about their output and then says, how do I become an elite? That is super, super engaging for a manager who, if you have empathy for them, is having a really hard day. Not as hard yeah. as you getting laid off, but boy, does it suck. No one wants now, to do it. Yeah. Nobody wants to do it. So anyway, there, there's my framework. I don't know what you think of this framework, but poke a hole in it or tell me what you think. I'm trying to be super candid with the people who are on the other end of this, having yeah. been on the other end of it briefly when I was young and then having 25 years experience running companies that do layoffs. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I think that's really good advice because fundamentally yeah. there may be a reason that you, some people are just not good at their jobs. Some people are in the wrong job, right? Mm -hmm. There's a, there's sort of an epidemic, I think, in middle management of like just putting people someplace to plug a hole and then have them yep. do the work and they're in the wrong job. And, and so having a proactive learning mentality about how can I contribute better or even contribute in a different way in the role that I'm in? Like, hey, I have an idea for a project. I'm big on a moonshot. Let me pitch this huh. thing. It is mutually beneficial for both of us. Let's yeah. see if we can make something out of it. Um, 100%. And yeah. some of it might be unavoidable. Like at some point, it might be like the Great British Baking Show where you're all really good. But that's the show. Like the deal is they have to cut. Yes. It is possible you could have in this theoretical 12 person sales team, 11 people all did a million dollars plus or right. minus 10% last year. It's a negli negligible difference. And the 12th one isn't easy because they did 500k. So that's an easy cut. Um, and so yeah. it's, um, this is what you'd be doing. Now, on the other side, conversely, and, and for the people watching live at youtube.com slash this weekend, 250 people watching live right now. Thank you so much. I think the people want to hear about this conversation. Mm -hmm. um and go ahead and give us a thumbs up if we had 100 thumbs up i'll i'll send somebody uh an ember mug maybe uh or something fun so um let's go to the other side molly you're the manager mm -hmm. you're running the company who do you want to keep okay now this is the big secret there's output and then there's your salary People don't want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. When the cuts happen, you've been at the company for 30 years and you're Molly and Jason and you're high paid podcasters. And there's, let's say we were in a podcasting company. We're the ringer. Yeah. Where, I don't know, what was the other one that did all those shows that got bought? Gimlet Media. Gimlet, yeah. Let's say you're Gimlet. Better because they have like such a diverse array of shows. Um, and I don't know anybody over there. I know Bill Simmons. So I don't want <laughs> have this clip inside to them. So Gimlet, some there's no fallout <laughs> for me with Gimlet. <laughs> like, let me pick so, somebody else. You're, yeah, I don't know, Joe, else. you're, you're no, not going to meet the Gimlet family. Take out. Okay, bleep out the app. So you're Gimlet. You got a roster of 25 shows. You look at the 25 shows. 
And let's say you got a podcast host, you, you know, of the 25 shows, top five podcast hosts are, you know, their shows make millions, they're making 250k each, you know, got two hosts per show. And then you go down in the middle and you got people making 150 as a host, 100, then 75. So you got a big range there. Mm-hmm. And let's say there's some hosts that are solo and some that are three hosts. And then you look at the revenue of the show. Literally, somebody's doing this. Here's the cost of the show. This show is, you know, makes us $3 million. Two hosts getting paid two fifty. Okay, you know, that makes sense. We're spending 15% on the host, whatever. We got a profit margin. We got the salespeople taking 30%. And they're just looking at that spreadsheet. You might get down there and like, you're getting paid 150. You're a mid-tier podcast host. Somebody's getting paid 75. The 75 host, you know, they have 25% less revenue than you, but they're growing and you're overpaid. Mm-hmm. And then the formula just somebody's doing a formula. So your salary divided into your output. What's the number? Yeah. So in this example, if those two podcasts did a million dollars each, somebody's getting paid two fifty. Okay, it's four x. You're making four times your salary, but the person getting paid a hundred is making. T- they're ten times more profitable, right? They're they're a ten xer, spending a yeah. hundred, making a million, spending five hundred, making a million. It's you're making the profit margin is completely different. If the sole cost was the host, let's say in this example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 50% margin versus 90, they're going to keep the 90% margin, they're going to cancel the show that's not profitable. So this is where people who fought for raises, and who, let's face it might be overpaid, because they were, you know, they had the company over the barrel, the company had a bunch of money, it was easier to just go with the flow and suspend disbelief, this podcast is going to add a bunch of advertisers, it's going to go 10x. That's what those are the hard decisions that are also going to be made. So you have to include your cost in this. And you probably saw this at CNET uh, when they because you were there for their layoffs. So or did they have layoffs or were they them? Uh, So many layoffs, so many layoffs over the years, like so, so many. And I get did you see that trend, though? It was like underperformers and then highly paid high performers, people who are expensive. Yeah, exactly. Expensive people, but they might be high performers. You could, well, yeah. I mean, look, when it gets deep enough, when you, at some point you're to the bone. Right. And that's when you have to, you've got, that's when you're down to your four bakers and they're all freaking great. Yeah. They're just great. And so you have to go with the more, the most expensive one Mm. in the, or before you're to the bone. Yeah. Like, I really want to highlight the investor mindset that you're using here though, which is like, because there are managers again, like some of this becomes contagious it becomes a lemming effect it becomes how can i impress my boss by cutting people yeah that's right there are companies with that culture and so then you have managers who just look at the top line and go most expensive cut most expensive cut and they do that before they're to the bone yeah without taking into account what you just said which is the roi so like don't cut talent before you have to because talent is an investment in a business so make do if you're going to cut your high paying people make sure that they're not returning 100x Right now, First, right? Like exactly. at least do the math before you cut them. And, and now, I don't think everybody does that. Now take the two concepts. This is not me arguing for my job, by the way. No, you're, you're good. Well, you're, <laughs> we'll have that talk later. Okay. If we have to. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Anything could happen, but I think you're good. Um, uh, now you overlap uh, these two phenomenon that are going on, the output and then yep. the dollar value of people, the ROI. And what I said, I think, on Wednesday's show when I was talking about, um, uh, you know, people being uh, productive. Well, let's face it, work from home, 
uh, you know, COVID, people being a little depressed, anxious, you know, maybe productivity hasn't, for certain people, been great. Maybe for other people, it's been better. Let's all just say, like, everybody got a little fat during the, you know, really fat years that we all had. Everybody took a little extra vacation. Everybody spent a little more money. This is where all the sides can come together and have this discussion. And I think this is where you're at the elite level, which is, um, and hopefully at this point in my career, having done this a bunch of times, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my own advice on the elite level, which is how can we as a team look at maybe not hiring new people, but looking at the team we have and being 10% better each, mm -hmm. we, we hold each other accountable as a team, 10% better each in two or three verticals. And so this is what I'm doing at my companies. I did it at launch. I'm going to be doing it at inside. So the inside people watching will be doing it with you. I asked you Here all for your calendars as well. I was just going to say that. I am going calendar. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, this is basically how I communicate with my employees through the podcast. It's efficient. <laughs> but we will be looking at everybody's calendar. We're not planning cuts. We're profitable. We've got tons of cash in the bank at inside. But heart to heart, we're all a little nervous about the economy. Mm -hmm. If Tesla's cutting 10% and that's Elon Musk and he's the best in the business, right? Uh, and, you know, Coinbase was a star just a year ago and was the most important company in Silicon Valley and now is thinks it's facing existential risk. You know, Peloton was the star. And now it's like, is Peloton going to be sold for spare parts? It's a serious business, folks. Yeah. Um, now, I was more conservative running both my businesses. So, you know, good on me for seeing it coming. But for the inside folks, we need to look at everybody. What's your output? You know, like how good are your job? How good are you managing your time? Is there more you could do? So if you're doing one newsletter a day, could you do two? Do we need to hire another person? If three people can get together and they're doing one newsletter each and the three of them could produce a fourth newsletter, then we don't have to hire the fourth person uh, to do the fourth newsletter. And yeah, you got to work a little harder or a little smarter. Hopefully you don't have to add hours, but you can cut some things and, and be more efficient or the product could be more efficient. Great. Can the sales team make more money and be more efficient? Can we support them in being more efficient? All mm -hmm. of those things will result in you avoiding layoffs and then having this sort of esprit de corps, you know, a team spirit here. And I think this is the upside of this down market. If you are thoughtful as a leader and you're thoughtful as a team member, as a soldier, and you take this approach, hey, listen, we're going to war with the recession. Mm -hmm. and we know when you go to war, uh, a lot of people don't come back. That's the nature of war. Let's try to leave no executive behind. Let's try to win the war with as few casualties as possible. Now, I know people don't like when I use war or, you know, samurai metaphors or team sports metaphors. It seems whatever. Some people are uncomfortable with that, but it's the, it's the best metaphor possible. And if you have a better one about picking flowers and daisies in a field while doing <laughs> yoga, I'll use it. <laughs> but I don't have one. I don't yeah. know how, the, the, how to translate this into yoga babble and, and picking daisies. But based on what I've learned, the teams that are realistic yeah. and they collaborate on how we're going to win the war with the least resources, uh, with the most efficiency, they kind of win. Th these Ukrainians, yeah. they seem like they're better fighters. They seem like they're getting more out of each fighter and each weapon and each drone and they're more nimble. And the Russians in this equation seem like the ones who are maybe not as efficient or not as driven or not as coordinated or, or don't have the esprit de corps. And that's why they're, if apparently they 
didn't win the war. I mean, it's yeah. no winners in war. But anyway, anyway there's crappy. my speech. Well, let's right. Let's like boil that down. Now even boil further. it all down. I went off the rails a little bit there about the Ukraine. Well, comparison and the war comparisons. But, but it's rel. It's well, it's horrific and also yes. relevant. And what it comes down to ultimately is leadership. Like it yeah. really does. And and then mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of good men. There are a lot of bad. There are probably way 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 more bad managers than good. Hundred percent. Yeah. But you know everybody sort of has to take this advice from the manager side and the employee side. It is really look. We've all been that like young person who's at the mercy of the meetings that we're not mm-hmm. in. It sucks. That's a bad yeah. feeling. But it's true that as you get older in the work world, you understand the bad position that managers are in also. And like, I think everybody's got to sort of figure out uh, the realities of the situation. There are a lot of feelings Mm -hmm. about work and it's hard to set. I think especially in America, like we don't separate our feelings from work, right? Because everything is work and yeah. 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 So also we can just continue to hope and not get sucked into the propaganda of this is going to be the worst recession ever. Like, we don't know yet. There's also I, the really yeah. important part that we don't know yet. And I really do think that a lot of companies look, if you're Coinbase, I get it, right? Yeah. You, you literally have a business built on trading uh, an imaginary asset. So yes. like if people stop trading that asset, that's a big problem. Tesla, right. you know, respectfully, that stock is halved. Right. It has gone to half. There is just right. not as much capital as right. there used to be to run that business. Of course, there are going to be layoffs, right? Like yeah. Peloton apparently didn't know that pandemic was going to end. There are like individual cases that yeah. make things yeah. seem worse than they are, but we do not know how broad this is. Yeah. And so maybe while you're contemplating layoffs because you think it's going to make the short-term bottom line look better, take a step yeah. back and ask if that's what your business really needs because it might not. And if that's the case, this is where monitoring situations daily, weekly, daily, and just yeah, you, you, you got to understand like it, you you may see some panic, you know, selling. You may see like if you were running a SaaS company, you might have three or four companies uh, all of a sudden stop using your SaaS software and you don't have that revenue. They have to look at those three or four companies. Where the, mm-hmm. are those companies out of business? Well, that's not the fault of your SaaS software. It's just companies went out of business and. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a certain level of attrition and those four people who canceled in the last two months, their, you know, SaaS software, let's talk about each one of them. Are those terrible businesses that should have never existed or are these your lighthouse clients, right? So you, you have to really have uh, your eyes wide open. You have to be super present looking at that dashboard. You know, if you think about this, like flying a plane, which is another analogy I use a lot because it's super complex and you're in this storm and you're off course yeah your navigation systems going in and out you know what data do you have mm-hmm. and that's what i always ask me what what, mm-hmm. what what do i have here what do i have control over well i have control over the productivity of each of the team members okay so that's good let's make sure everybody's super productive okay what else do i have well i can pick what direction we're going to go hopefully this is working i can pick how fast we're going to go and okay I can pick how many passengers we're going to take. What can I know? Okay, what is our altitude? What is our speed? What is our heading? You know, what's the pitch of the airplane? You can can start to just figure out what the reality of the situation is and then check it constantly. And when you see those plane accident videos that I watch on the Blanco Lirio channel on YouTube, you know, a lot of times pilot, like sometimes they have recordings of the cockpit. Yeah. And he zooms in on something. He's like, the pilot did not see this. Yep. He's not watching this pilot. Like there was some pilot, this guy was not watching his, uh, his angle and he didn't realize he was in the dead spot. And he's like, 
you know, anybody who looks at this can see this thing is tilted and, you know, he's going faster. And so he's trying to figure out like going up, but he's really got to just, you know, uh, even stop out. tipping the, even out the, the wings. And, you know, now you're going to have control of the plane. Anyway, all these crazy things. And this guy panic. wasn't, you know, it's a panic thing, right? Just panicking, trying to keep not being present, you mm-hmm. know, not getting all the signal you can. So I think uh, I'm looking at it right now. Feel like the inflation is going to work itself out over the, the coming months. Uh, because it's so high, there's really not much more room to go before people just stop buying stuff. So if, you know, the people selling oil want to keep prices as high, mm-hmm. people are going to start riding bikes, people mm-hmm. are going to stop filling their tanks, they're going to take shorter rides, they're going to take one car instead of two, somebody's going to take the bus, like this stuff, if you push people to too high prices, people stop going, I went to a restaurant, I, I couldn't believe it. But I, I have this great place, New England lobster company, uh, by the airport at SFO. And I love going there, but it was $40 for a lobster roll. And it used to be like 25. And I was like, Oh, my God. Yeah, I just bought, you know, I had my family, I bought like eight lobster rolls, you know, eight people, everybody gets a lobster roll. I was like, Whoa, I got the bill. And then oysters went from $2 to $4. What's going on in the world? I'm rich. And I was like, I like, I promise I'm not making this up. But after Top Gun this weekend, we went to five guys. (laughs) Wow. Just to like, just, but literally it was like a five guys burger is 850. Like what what the hell? Yeah, eight. I, I know they were I mean, always like six it's bucks because like it's a good burger. It's, it's like always burger. been six. It's like or a fifteen hundred yeah. calorie burger or whatever. Yeah. It's a whole meal for eight fifty. But I mean, it's like yeah. you know thirty percent more expensive now. I mean, it was really yeah. startling. So I think it's something for people so. to just think about. But yes, yeah. the cure for high prices is high prices. I really do. Like I, I don't. Oh, I, that's I'm, well said. Yeah, people. Increasingly, will then, I yeah. am starting to feel like we're. Talk, we uh, we always talk ourselves into a recession, right? Yes. And now it feels like we are talking ourselves into a recession that maybe does not have to be as bad as we're saying that it is. And and yes, I am aware that more Americans are in food lines than at, at any point since the pandemic, maybe even more, right? Like yeah. the, the high prices are very, very, very real. Yeah. And yet there's nothing systemically wrong. Even on CNBC today, they were saying like, it's hard for me to believe we're in this massive consumer mm. recession when like every single airplane going anywhere in america right now is packed sold like, out they're like hotels sold out hotels restaurants sold, sold out. out you know it's like really weird like yeah. well where is this recession happening i still bought the lobster rolls i'm still gonna go see top gun this weekend like is a little bit weird so I, I the other thing is all these jobs that are available and all these people who are leaving for everybody leaving there's other companies hiring so i feel like this is going to be like you know 10 percent cuts at a company's that got too big and we're hiring for 2023 2024 growth and now they're just going to be more conserving they're going to hire as they go yeah one of the big things you know in boardrooms and was you know hire for what you need next year or hire for what you need in two years if you you got the cash laying around why wouldn't you get people online you know everybody loves having the extra resources you go faster and it's is it as efficient as hiring as you need people no but that was the approach people took because it was a competitive market and that made it more competitive now you're gonna have the opposite and people might take jobs and they might take a salary cut just like companies are uh raising money at lower prices you might get those cuts so yeah that's that's going to be a very mixed bag uh my current thinking is we're in quarter two of the recession i'm going to go ahead and say here i think this is going to be uh four three or four quarters of negative growth Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be like, you know, whatever it usually is two or three quarters of kind of like flat growth. So right. in other words, I think we're two thirds or halfway there. I think it's going to look much different in Q1 next year. I think Q4 is going to be like this mixed bag where people are like, is it getting better? Is it not getting better? 
And then I think next year, I think we're going to have some smooth sailing. I don't think it's going to be gangbusters. I don't think stocks are going to return where they Which are. Which is fine. But we'll have clarity because we people will have, have taken normal. the medicine. Yeah. Yep. Back to normal. Yeah. Yep. All right. So next up is uh, everybody's favorite segment. Okay, Boomer. All right, everybody. It's time for your favorite segment of the week, along with other favorite segments. But <laughs> this one is truly uh, carved a niche for itself. It's okay, Boomer, where Rachel Braun of Rachel Reporting um, meets with millennial a gen z hopefully and uh we get some insight as when well, we're gen xers but okay calls boomers <laughs> rachel who's on top for this week tell Melina. i got to speak to the skill bank founder and ceo mahek fora you actually ah. already spoke to her on episode 1202 as a part of office hours on this week in startups but i wanted to hear a little bit more about her background and her thoughts on being a young founder yeah. And tell us about Skillbank. I'm actually really, really into this idea of upskilling and skill matching. And this is like upskilling to a specific for a specific type yeah. of job, right? It's really awesome. So what got me really interested in Skillbank was I did one of those Google certificates in college to skill up. And the biggest problem I had is I thought it was really difficult to hold myself accountable. So it definitely did take me longer than if I did it with like a cohort. And Skillbank is kind of like a boot camp, but for marketing. So we see a bunch of coding boot camps, but this one really helps people get jobs at ad agencies and things like that. So basically, Skillbank's a platform. It helps people get jobs in marketing by skilling them up to land these jobs. And it doesn't focus mainly on startups. It does focus mainly on those like agency roles, which are um, pretty well paying after college. So I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. If you go and you uh, go to... And we're investors in Skillbank. They went through our accelerator and she is a force of nature as a founder. Also a DJ, I saw on her social, yeah. she's doing a little DJing, um, which is always interesting. Uh, Amazing. She's attracted to DJing. She's it's, so sick. Yeah. She's actually also, I found out after I, m- I met her at the All In Summit, I found out after she's my friend's roommate. And I was like, what wow, the heck? Small I world. know. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I was getting dinner with a friend. Brooke was like, uh, oh, and there we did talk about this on the show, but she was with two other founders. Um, and they call their little like founder house, the Federal Reserve, and the nickname is the Fed. And I thought that was really cool. So we did talk That's about what it was like love it. Uh, living with other founders as well out in LA. Ah, what a great idea to motivate yeah. each other. And if you're, I mean, this happened in LA, Laurel Canyon, um, which is a really groovy area that I lived in for a little time, uh, where Jackson Brown and other musicians lived, I think George Harrison, uh, and even to this day, you know, uh, modern musicians live there. Uh, Jenny Lewis, I think Moby, a bunch of other folks had lived there. Mm. And there's a documentary about it. And so there is something about being around your cohort, making each other better. That's why accelerators work. You mentioned it yourself in terms of being in a cohort. Uh, So, you know, marketing, I just want to make a note for anybody listening here who wants to break into startups, uh, or, you know, have a great salary and doesn't know where to begin and doesn't like coding. My Lord, marketing is really easy to learn. Uh, You know, it's hard to perfect and be good at it. But it's very easy the 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 entree into um being a marketing manager is very easy i think maybe three four five months of just doing basic marketing and you'll find an entry-level job and man if you get good at it and you can become a growth manager you know like a growth hacker uh you can be invaluable so highly recommend uh checking out skill bank and uh, this amazing okay boomer let's listen to the interview with Mahek. thanks guys Okay, Boomer. I understood the assignment. Thank you so much, Mahek, for being on a segment of Okay, Boomer. But this isn't your first time on This Week in Startups. You actually have spoken to Jason before. 
Can you give us a little bit of a background about yourself? You're the CEO and founder of SkillBank. I'm a big fan of SkillBank. I think it's a really great idea. Yeah, Rachel, thank you so much for having me on. Um, yes, I'm the founder and CEO of SkillBank. Uh, my background is kind of all over the place. I dropped out of college at 19, moved to San Francisco, uh, ran a marketing agency there for about three or four years, ghostwriting for investors and CEOs on LinkedIn. And it was really hard for us to find great talent. And I was looking at what were some different ways for us to create a scalable agency. Um, and I realized we couldn't scale the services that we were giving because every client of ours was an edge case. You know, Someone's coming in, even if you can standardize your services, everything that you're working on with a client is going to be specific to that client. Yeah. So I realized if we couldn't scale the services we were giving, maybe we could scale the people that were giving the services. And I was really interested in the bootcamp space. I think it's really exciting to be able to train people and take them from point A to point B. And yeah, that's when I decided to start Skillbank. Very cool. So can you let us know why you were on an episode of This Week in Startups and your affiliation with Jason a little bit? Yeah. So I was on... The very first episode I was on was an Office Hours episode. And I think Skillbank at the time was called on Delta. We were about like... Four months old at the time, I was teaching classes from my apartment in the Tenderloin. And I was like waking up at like 6, 7 a.m. in the morning to teach classes. Oh man, like coding. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of nostalgic going back and watching that video because I can see just, like, I had no idea what was coming, like just in terms of like what the next steps were, what we were going to be doing. Um, my work was definitely cut out for me, but yeah, I came on the show and I asked Jason a question just about like, how do you manage everything when you're a solo founder and you're working on a team by yourself? And, um, yeah, it was my first introduction to Jason and to the team. That's awesome. Did he give you any good advice? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I remember as well. I think my question was like, I was trying to be like, oh, hey, like, look at my company and like, look at how well we're doing. Like, come yeah. check us out. Um, but yeah, I think I remember his advice being pretty good. That's good. That's good. So to give everybody a little bit more context, we met at the All In Summit a few weeks ago and Jason was there and everything. And it was really cool getting to meet you in person because I've definitely already checked out that episode before. Uh, I think it's really inspiring, honestly, for lack of a better term, to see founders that have directly worked with Jason in that matter. I'm um, meeting them in person. I think it's really cool to see the people he's like actually directly impact. I love remote work, but sometimes it does get a little bit draining feeling like you have so many inputs that you're, you're putting in and you can't directly see your outputs sometimes because everything's just over a screen. Um, is your entire team remote? Yeah, we're completely remote. Um, I actually don't think we have any team members in California anymore. So we're, we're no across way. the US. Yeah. Wow. What's keeping you there? Um, the weather, I would say is probably <laughs> the biggest thing. Um, I mean, there's also a lot, there's a really big tech network out here in LA. So I'll probably be here for another couple more years. Um, but definitely open to switching things up a little bit in the future. Maybe I'll come yeah. to New York. Yeah, dude, you're going to have to let me know. Um, definitely have to, uh, there's a lot, there's, I just saw your, uh, your roommate. So you live in a little bit of like a tech house situation, Brooke LeBlanc, who is absolutely wonderful. I met her in person too, but I met her. Not at the All-In Summit. I met her out for coffee while she was stopping by yeah. New York City. I didn't have this prep before, but do you want to talk a little bit about like for sure. what it's like? I know 
So I guess I haven't written any notes about this. Just spoke to your roommate in passing, but basically you live in a house or apartment with three founders. So there's three of you and you're all working in different spaces, all pretty early on in your your journey as founders, which must be really interesting. Um, how is that going? It's great. So it's really funny. So this house was originally the skill bank house. So I had originally like brought in um, a couple of like my employees and I was like, all right, we're all going to work here in this house. And I realized very quickly that it was just the worst possible thing I could do. Like it would just be so much better if I like we separated work and uh, personal. Um, so yeah, then I ended up moving in my girlfriends. And yeah, right now it's uh we're all founders. We've called the house the Federal Reserve. So <laughs> our uh, Instagram account is at FedHouse LA if you want to see photos. Um oh, I love great. that. <laughs> It's so much fun. And we'll, like, yeah. we'll host poker nights on Thursdays, yeah. um, dinners. And we're really just trying to curate more of a, a scene here in LA for founders. Totally. Yeah, it's been super fun so far. I think Brooke and Beck are both incredible founders. And you know, it, it's nice living with people that are also in a similar stage that you are. Because we can bounce ideas off of each other. Whether it's like we're working out together in the morning or we're going to grab yeah. coffee at the local coffee shop. Um. Yeah, it's just really nice to be around people that are in that same stage as you. I I am so jealous because right now I have two amazing roommates. They're great. They're some of my best friends in college. However, they both work East Coast times, and as I've mentioned before on the podcast, um, we work West Coast times. So a lot of times we're working like eleven, sometimes a little bit earlier to nine, sometimes a little later. Those are not traditional hours. So me hanging out with my roommates is a little bit like safe for the weekend in that aspect. So it must be really nice just having people understanding like that that same mindset for you uh, how much how important do you think it is as a founder to be friends with other founders and like engage in your community do you think that's something that's like important that people should do or do you think that's like too overwhelming like i find like you know tech san francisco vibes like i feel like sure. that's like in your face all the time like how do you know when to take a step back and how do you know when to like keep engaging with that community yeah, it's it's a really interesting question. And I think when I was in San Francisco, it was one of the things that I really liked was when I was deep in the weeds working on Skillbank, I was surrounded by people who were also working on their companies. So it yeah. was easy for me to stay in the zone. Um, I think moving to a place like LA, there's so many different distractions. And I found during COVID, it was really hard to stay inspired when it's just me working by myself in my house, trying to figure out the next step. Um, so yeah, I think it's been really great living with other founders. I'd highly recommend that if you're living in a place where you're not surrounded by a really big startup community to find people that are within the same stage as you, or maybe even a couple stages ahead, because mm. it's, it's just a lot easier to visualize and figure out that next step and stage that you're trying to get to when you have people around you that are also chasing after that same dream or get trying to accomplish the same thing. Got you. And you and your roommates are all around the same age, correct? Yeah. Okay. So how old are the people normally then going through SkillBank? Are these people that are also like around our ages, like in their 20s? Or is this even younger? Is this even older? Yeah, it, this, so this, this varies. Um, our youngest student has been 19, dropped out of college. Um, but I would say our sweet spot is probably 29 to 32 working in the service industry. Okay, very cool. Why do you find that the service industry is such a pivot into marketing? People working in the service industry have incredibly strong communication skills. You know, they've they've learned how to uh, do customer service. They've learned how to make sure their customers are happy. They've learned how to build relationships. And going into a marketing agency, it's really important that you also have those skills. 
Mm-hmm. And the barrier to entry in terms of the tech behind it actually isn't that high. It's just about knowing what you need to learn. So within 12 weeks, we can take someone with a really strong customer service background and teach them those technical skills that they need to know to go land a job at a marketing agency. Got you. And do you guys have like how often um, are you actually able to place these people into marketing agencies? Like, do you guys have any statistics on that? Yeah, it's most of our students. Like, I would say right now we're looking at like three or four students, like probably in the last six months that haven't gone to go work at a marketing agency, but most of them do get placed at marketing agencies. And that's that's where our funnel is. So, why don't you try funneling them into other startups? Like, why marketing agencies? Marketing agencies are, I would just say like probably more fitted for what we're teaching. We're teaching a very specific skill. So compared to other boot camps in the digital marketing space, um, if we're looking at other competitors, they're teaching everything across the board from digital marketing to paid media to organic. It's, uh, you're becoming more of a jack of all trades. Whereas with what we're teaching, is we're just teaching paid media marketing. So over the span of 15 weeks, you're going to get certified across Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Apple ads. Um, and those skills are really great for going into an agency and being able to provide immediate results. Going to work at a startup, you need to have more experience being in the field and actually seeing results come to fruition. Especially in earlier stage startup, um, they want to see probably a little bit more results. What we have started to see, though, is students that have gone on to work at marketing agencies will start to take up part-time jobs, also doing consulting at startups. That's been pretty normal to see. Um, and then we've had some outliers with students that have maybe tried things out in the past and have gone to go work at a market, uh, gone to go work at a startup after. That's awesome. So, why would people choose to do a bootcamp rather than go through like a specific platform's uh, like free learning option? So, by that I mean. I did, I think it was called like Facebook Blueprint. Um, I did the Google one at the time. Um, Google now has some pretty awesome career certificates that came out my senior year. Um, but before that, they had a different platform that I was able to learn. Um, and was able to leverage those into like social media jobs in college where I took, uh, like photo. I was really, really scrappy in college. I had like one of those people who had like a million jobs and one of them, um, came out of, came out of doing one of these, uh, certificates where I helped a uh, local boutique downtown, um, like just run their social media, their Instagram and like do Google ads. What is the difference between doing a bootcamp and doing that? So we will actually help you get certified in those certifications. Like we'll pay for your Facebook blueprint certification. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really what you're learning within our program is how to create strategies based on how these platforms work. So we're not only just going to run you through, this is how Facebook ads work. And this is how the certification works. So you can go and get it and then pay for that certification. But we're also teaching you how do you actually put that all together to then create a strategy and provide results to that company that you're working with. So starting week one, we go into content. Then we go into the platform. We go into bidding. You, You cover every piece of it. And the pieces outside of not just how the platform works, but yeah, how to actually help a company start to get results. That's awesome. Yeah. One big problem I had with like the Google digital marketing uh, certification was the lack of structure that I personally gave myself. And I feel like if I had maybe a real person, like not just a computer uh, to tell me, you know, when things are due, I think that would have helped a lot. So just the community aspect seems like I would have been a big contender for skill bank, honestly, when I was in college. Um, cause I also worked in the service industry because <laughs> I, I, uh, worked in food services. Uh, I was 
a caterer person for a wedding venue in Annapolis, Maryland. And now I treat everybody that works in a restaurant with the most respect ever because that was probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. And I was really happy when I moved over to working at that boutique and taking their Instagram photos. It wasn't that glamorous, but it was surely a lot better than working in in the food industry. At what point um, did you decide, I guess, to why didn't yourself like why didn't you just start working in the food industry not just start working in the food industry why didn't you work in the food industry in in college and continue to go like what made that big pivot into creating a marketing company and then eventually creating a startup i so it's it's funny growing up i used to ref soccer games and that was like my first uh introduction into getting a job um and then my like sophomore or junior year of high school was when I started coding. I made my first app my freshman year, but I didn't really start taking it seriously until later on into my high school career. And by the time I graduated high school, I knew I wanted to do something in software. So I spent my freshman and sophomore year actually just trying to build websites for people. So that was like my first job. Um, and then yeah, it's just like it just slowly went from that to how can I formalize my relationship and my first agency, Jamoka, was really just a vehicle for me to learn as much as I possibly could. So it would be like, okay, someone wants to get have me do Facebook ads for them. I'll charge them a little bit less to be able to take on this contract and learn. And I spent mm-hmm. a lot of my first year and a half just like Googling and trying to figure out how do, how do these things work. Like I also would have been a very great contender for Skillbank at the time because you don't know what you don't know. And it's yeah. also so hard to know what it, what is the industry actually looking for? So like if I'm going to go do Facebook ads for someone or Google ads for someone, I can take a Udemy course on how the platform works, but I have no idea on what are those actual strategies that I need to use to start providing results. And what are these hiring people looking for whenever they're looking to bring on people to do contracts? Um, and that's the one thing I think Skillbank has over... All the other boot camps that are out there is our curriculum was developed in tandem with a lot of these marketing agencies that are also investors of ours that have given us feedback into the curriculum and have really made sure that we're teaching the relevant skills that they want to see when they're hiring. That is so freaking cool. Um, so you said, like going back a little bit in the conversation, you said that you were in high school when you first started coding. I was also in high school, but probably for a very like selfish reason. I took a coding class, a web design class taught by Mr. Edom. Shout out Mr. Edom, my first coding teacher ever doing HTML and CSS. And the only reason I did it is because I wanted to make my Tumblr look a lot cooler Amazing. at the time. And um, that was like the sole reason why I took a coding class. But how do you think, obviously marketing is a very awesome skill to have, but I guess starting even earlier than that, going back to high school, how do we get more, especially women to code besides just um, telling them, yeah, you can make your Tumblr look a lot nicer, which as as far as I'm concerned, Tumblr's not that cool anymore. So that that excuse isn't gonna work. I I've thought about this a lot. Um, not only just in terms of how do we get more women into coding, but also how do we make it cool to go into tech or go into yeah. marketing? Um, not influencers. I saw this one thing. It's like how crazy it is to think how many people want to become YouTubers and influencers now. And remember when we were kids, people wanted to become like astronauts. Um, not that being a YouTuber influencer isn't like a job. It's not a career. That's wonderful. But there are so many options out there. There's definitely a little pigeonhole, it feels like. Yeah. And I, I think I think there needs to be a shift in the way culture thinks about working in a marketing agency or working and learning how to code. 
Um, it's not a nerdy thing that people do. I think yeah. that there's actually a lot of freedom in being able to build an app. And um, I think it would be a really exciting day when we see someone who wants to like become a beauty vlogger coding their own app to like yeah. showcase their own products. And I think I think that's what we really need to see is the shift in, oh, it's like actually really cool to build something that your friends are using. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the first step, but like that's a really big cultural shift. Yeah, we see it with with Carly Kloss, I mean, who is a model and everything like that. And she's a big spokesperson, excuse me, for Girls Who Code, which I think like that's really cool seeing people, you know, speak out against um, or speak for programs specifically geared towards young people to help them get into the space. Because I think you're right. I think a big reason that people aren't coding or aren't going into tech or aren't trying to, you know, break into a marketing position at a really young age is because maybe that's not cool. So definitely the cultural, sh- cultural shift is, uh, is a huge part of it. And I also, I wish that when I was younger, I was definitely afraid to code when I got to college. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like I never, I didn't touch Java until I got to college. Python didn't touch that till I got to college. And I wish I knew about tools like Figma or no code tools in general beforehand. Because it's such a good introduction, like the pipeline between learning a no-code tool to then like slowly dipping, you know, into coding and then understanding like from a visual aspect first and then going into the technical aspect, like that pipeline, I feel like needs to be a little bit more secure. Um, Presh, who is our chief of staff, um, is Jason's chief of staff, created the entire all-in summit app on a wonderful no-code platform. I believe it's no-code. It might be low-code, but I think it's called Glide, G-L-I-D-E. I'm like, I wish I knew about that in high school. You know what I mean? Because the more interested you get in the space, the more you want to know about it. And the same thing goes for marketing. Like, yeah, it starts off probably taking really cute photos, putting them online. But the deeper it goes, it's like, okay, how can you monetize this? How can we get more people to see it? What is, what can I be selling with this? And for sure. I think, you know, those are just, you need to figure out like what to put in front of people initially to get them like hooked to get them through. I guess what what is skill banks hook? Like how are you getting putting skill bank in front of people and being like this is cool, this is what you should do. The really big thing that we're selling to people now is we want to help you take that next step in your career. So if you've been working 40 hours a week and in the service industry and you know, it's it's not super sustainable long term. Um we want to we want to provide more stability to our students and people going through our program and there's a lot more growth opportunity for someone that's going to go work at a marketing agency you can either progress within that marketing agency you can go work in house somewhere um and yeah you know like that's the really big thing that we're selling is is we want to be that next really big step in your career and help yeah. you create a life for yourself that you're like really excited to get up in the morning and go work somewhere um, my favorite stories to tell are we just had um a dad go through our program. Oh, I love and that. He was in uh the army for like the last like 10 to 15 years and wanted to be able to work from home, stay at home with his kids. And he can do that now. He works remotely for an agency. And that's been really cool to see to give people that autonomy. And he hasn't been able to spend the last 10 years with his kids, but now he can do that and make enough of a wage to make sure that they have food on the table. Um, we also had a student that was um, a paraplegic from the waist down and had trouble pl- paying off medical bills coming into our program. And within a month of graduating, landed a 75K job with healthcare and benefits. So like, that's the really big thing that we're trying to to sell and to get people into is say like, hey, you can create a really sustainable life for yourself if you stay the course. 
And we're not like other boot camps. Like we're not going to take 10% of your salary. Like we're, we're really trying to set it up in such a way where, yeah, if you're willing to put the work and effort into it, we're going to help you get to that next stage. That's so awesome. So do you have any advice for people that are looking to go into the world of marketing that you've seen be really applicable across the board? Yeah, I think the the really big thing is just start testing and trying out different things. I think that there's a lot of power in having a voice and having people listen to you. And I think it's one of those things that you're not going to try out the first thing and it's going to work. I think people have this idea of like, oh, it's only one video. And if that one video goes viral, then I'm going to become famous or this thing's going to work or I'm going to blow up whatever I'm working on. Um, I think the thing with marketing that's super important is, is it's a lot of small hits to actually get someone to recognize you. And I think you it's just a lot of practice. Like Get yeah. yourself out there, try different things, see what sticks and stay consistent. I think Amazing. consistency is super important. I totally agree with you. Consistency is definitely key. Mahek, thank you so much for being on the segment. Where can people find you? Is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? Yeah, uh, Twitter. I'm at the Mahek Vora. Um, and then if you want to check out Skillbank, we're joinskillbank.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. 